Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. Money. You sound way better this week. Uh, you know, I was listening to that podcast uh, from the uh, from the road, and uh, it was a tough, that was tough on the ears. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But I appreciate, uh, appreciate you letting me do it, calling in. Thanks. From the road. We're back at it, hard at work. Uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. We have a lot of you. It's awesome. Share it with some friends. Share it with your spouse, your partner, your children, your parents. Your nemesis. Your nemesis. Nemesises. Hey, hey thought, How do you pluralize of, thought of you, yeah. nemesis. You really need to hear this. <laughs> How to budget. Hey. Um, and if you really don't like somebody, tell them to be like, hey, send me an audio question about money. Just curious what's on your mind, and then submit it to us, and you'll get the $25 of somebody else's question. And if you don't know what we're talking about there, all of these questions that we take, uh, these are these are questions that have risen up out of the queue that is that is plentiful, and I like it. Keep them coming, and, the, the you know, no question is out of bounds. We may choose not to use it. And if you t- if you can tell, I'm partial uh, to the to the questions that that revolve around psychology. We're gonna hit some real real nuts and bolts questions in the next couple of weeks. We've been doing some research. Uh, we got a question regarding small investing apps. Daniel's uh, in the process of opening uh, five new accounts to. Uh, to test all those, That's awesome. Uh, we're a lot of home buying questions. Those are great, but we wanna we wanna really dissect. It's it. I don't like the oh you should do this, you shouldn't do. That. I mean, we've got to kind of have some research to back it up. So we're gonna talk about those in the coming weeks. Those are a little bit more under the hood, but a lot of our questions and a lot of money and finance comes down to the psychology of money and finance. And overcoming some of the worldly uh, pressures of where to allocate your funds. But all these questions come to us via email, podcast at DIYmoney.org, podcast at DIYmoney.org. I have gotten real clarification, by the way. There is not a installed app on Droid. That has to be downloaded in order to do a voice memo recording and send it to us. So much effort, but so worth $25. Yeah, so that's exactly right. If your question emerges to be used on our ever-growing DIY Money podcast, Derek, the now quasi-intern, because he started back at school, but we couldn't let him go completely. He's just so good. He will reach out, send you $25 gift card to Amazon online as a reward. All right, today's question. Uh, I forgot who it comes from. Uh, I'm not even going to look back. Somebody on the internet. It's it's awesome, though, uh, and that's why it, it was chosen. I forgot the name, but I'll know it in about 20 seconds. What's the question? Hey, guys. My name is David. I'm a huge fan of your show, and I thought you might like to know I'm actually recording this message on an Android. 
Anyways, my question is on knowing when to keep saving spare money and when to begin investing it. My wife and I both work full time, bring in about 70,000 household income and are completely debt free. We just finished saving up six months of an emergency fund and we're expecting our first kid in November. We're financially prepared for the expenses surrounding the birth and have a budget set up for after. In the past, we put all of our spare money to getting our emergency fund and getting ready for the kid. But now that we don't have a huge financial milestone coming up, I'm not sure how to decide what to do with the extra cash. We want to buy a house in the next three years, so saving extra cash is good. But I'm really curious how you guys would advise someone to determine what to save and what to invest. Saving money always feels safer to me because you never know what the cost of the future is going to be. But I know investing is a smart call. I could really use the advice. Thanks. Wow, that's a good one. I like this one. I do too. Let's hear what you have to say, Daniel. Well, I like what he talks about there because he pre-delineates for us something that a lot of people often muddy, which is the difference between saving and investing. So uh, saving is really setting money, cash really, aside, and you generally aren't going to see a phenomenal rate of return on that. You're generally going to put that into something like a savings account, a money market account, CD, maybe some treasury bills. Those are all pretty much cash equivalents. They're they're things that you can liquidate quickly. They pay a low amount of interest, basically just a safety rate. You might basically just keep up with inflation on those. Uh, and they're really for short-term goals or for uh, fast cash, the emergency type of funds that you need available uh, all the time. But then there's investing. And investing is dramatically different. Investing is buying an asset with an expectation of future returns, some level of uh, income or some level of appreciation, etc. And, and so he really pre-delineates that for us, which is fantastic because then we don't have to go into it, even though uh, I just did. So he asks the question, though, of, you know, how do you contrast between when to do one, when to do the other? And for me personally, uh, in the world of financial planning, it all comes down to the goal and making sure that you're going to hit the goal that you set out. So he talked about buying a house in uh, three years. So if if part of the money coming in and the money being set aside is, is to purchase a house in three years and he needs X amount for that house, it, you really can't risk that money. That That's not money that you can uh, put to risk for the expectation of appreciation or income. So therefore, that has to be saved. However, when you talk about investing, you're talking about uh, money that you, for the foreseeable future, don't need back. And that sounds, uh, that can sound a little weird and, and arbitrary, but, uh, there's a certain amount of your income that comes in and you're already setting it away, hopefully for retirement, uh, which you don't need back immediately. You you're, uh, setting that aside for the future years from now, decades from now, from, for most of you. Um, but then there's also sometimes just ancillary cash that you don't have to put in a retirement fund. You don't have a big goal coming up like a house or car or education, et cetera. And you want to have a return on that cash. And that's when you would put that into investment versus savings. If something is in the next uh, three months to four to five years, it's really a cash, a non-risk uh, place that you need to put it. However, if you're going out further than five years or kind of in the camp of, I have this money, I don't need to put it in retirement because I'm already hitting those goals. I want to return on it, but I don't have any specific goals for it. That is money that you then invest. That might only be uh, dollars dollars $100, $200 a month. But that's the type of money that you can start setting aside in a taxable investment account and start building up and, and let it grow until the time that you actually do need it. 
So I think it can be clarified or classified as far as a time period, right? What I'm what I'm getting from your answer, Daniel, is it comes down to the time period that you may or may not need the money. And I heard some I heard some time periods, three months to four years to five years. What what in your opinion is that time period to say if it's within this time period, it's savings. If it's past this time period, it can be investments. I would say absolutely anything under three years is really savings. Between three and five years, there's some flex room. I, I, I wouldn't go putting it 100% in, say, uh, S&P index fund, which would then be 100% stocks. There may be room to kind of asset allocate it in that respect. But if you know for certain that instead of three years, you know, you're looking at four or four and a half years that you want to buy a house, you want to have a down payment, I would still leave that in cash because you have a very, very defined goal and once you start putting it in risk-based assets, that's things like stocks, gold, uh, real estate, uh, commodities, foreign exchange, Bitcoin, pretty much anything other than savings slash cash, you're going to take risk. And that risk could end up, uh, or volatility will say, we'll change words here. You're putting it at risk. And then the volatility associated with risk may come just before you actually need that money. And that's the worst case scenario that you don't want to happen. That all of a sudden that goes down 10% right as you found the house of your dreams and you want to put a down payment on. So I would say at least uh, anything three years or less, you're definitely going to want to put that in savings. I would say between three and five years, even consider putting that in savings. Once you go out five years to uncertainty, you know you don't really know when or if you'll need this money. Now you are giving enough time horizon. And basically for those that um, maybe aren't overly experienced with stock markets and so forth, they tend to operate, most assets operate in cycles, stocks, real estate, et cetera. So they go through highs and lows over time. By stretching out five years or more, odds are it doesn't necessarily matter where you are investing in the cycle. Now you're stretching out to what we call, quote unquote, in the long term, certain assets go up over time. And so by stretching that time period out, you're ensuring that you're not going to necessarily be taking that money out during a trough or a dip in that particular asset. I uh, I don't have much to add. I just say that it all comes back to the the sort of the steps and this, wh wh why we have them is so that we don't have to overthink this, right? So it sounds like you've done an exceptional job to create margin within your budget. It sounds like, I mean, I heard the word fast cash. I'm going to assume there's a three month emergency fund. So those are sort of the basics, the foundation. I did hear that we have a new child in the mix uh, may or may not have started to save for that child. And again, I believe that comes down to what your goals are from a financial perspective for your child. So for instance, in my case, I have three boys. I've started saving in custodial accounts uh, in addition to a uh, what's called an ABLE account. We did a podcast on that for our third child because he has some special needs. But the other two, instead of 529 plans, we went with custodial accounts for more flexibility, uh, ease of use, et cetera. Uh, that might be something to consider for you as far as excess capital. If you're already doing something like that, or maybe grandparents or somebody else is contributing, okay, that's fine. But again, then it comes down to what else are the goals? And, and the only one it sounds like is that house. So un until you are insecure in that house, then ancillary savings in slash investing, in my opinion, is off the table because you want to buy that house 
And I'll tell you, I think Daniel alluded to this, that things run in cycles. Uh, there is no place that I have found where real estate right now is in a trough. So it's, it's you know, a peak cycle for real estate. It's also, and we don't want to time markets per se, but it's also a, a peak cycle for stocks. So building up cash to be a buyer when others are sellers is a very wise decision uh, to make, regardless of where you are in your personal financial cycle. In addition, it's not all that difficult now to secure 2%, which I know sounds terrible, but it used to be nothing. I mean, literally, you got 0.01 for your savings. Now you're at least getting a small return to keep up with inflation. So I think that it's a matter of socking away. Is it boring? Yeah. Is it sexy? No, it's not. But you then have the liquidity, the flexibility, and the power to take advantage of the opportunity when it comes. And it will come, and you will have the ability to pounce, buy up that home, secure that for your family, and then down the line, you can look at investing. Great question. We summed that up in about 13 minutes. No need to hit 20. You got anything else to add there, Daniel, for this for this uh, gentleman? Uh, yeah, he kind of alluded on the fact of you know opportunity cost. Uh, and I think what you have alluded to in addition is that sometimes cash is your hedge for future opportunity costs. The fact that that cash uh, will be available there when you need it. And sometimes um, saving and investing is not all about return right now. It's about the opportunity to make a move when you see something of value later. That's uh, We can learn that from market greats such as Warren Buffett and so forth, who often now, that's a whole different class and a whole different scenario, but often store up cash waiting for the opportunity to pounce on something. That's not uh, being a you know a super bearish person going, oh, the housing uh, market's going to crash or the stock market's going to crash. It's just realizing that there's cycles and movements uh, to all markets and that sometimes the best thing to do is to sit, wait, watch, and make a very sober decision when it's time to go in. Now, when we are talking about investment accounts, uh, one thing to think about as far as time horizon goes, because we touched on time horizon, is the fact that target date funds, while primarily um, considered for retirement, that is the date that you're going to retire, can also work well for uh, the time period towards a savings goal um, if that goal is somewhat flexible. So if it's not, you know, we definitely need a house on this date, but sometime around this date, we're going to want to give this money to our kids or we're going to want to buy a house or do something of that nature, you can actually use a target date retirement fund, quote unquote, in that same manner, because it'll gradually reduce that risk as you get closer to that goal. You may want to, uh, let's say your, um, the target date for these funds is say 2030. Instead of going into a 2030 fund, you may want to back that down to a 2025 or something of that nature, because some of those funds are going to be slightly more aggressively based because they're going to consider that the retirement date, not the date that you withdraw the funds. So understand kind of the asset allocation and how that works with risk and so forth. But that's just one idea as well to basically be able to make it super simple, buy one investment, know that you're kind of asset allocating for a long-term investment that you still kind of have a, a time frame wired up with. I love it. Thanks for the question, David. You will receive the $25 e-gift card from Derek. And uh, we appreciate the... Uh, the voice memo via the Android app. All right, you've been listening to another edition of DIY Money. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is really not all that complicated. Live on less than you make 
invest the difference and do it for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card.